Haptic feedback is super cool. The reason Halo was really delayed and DC fandom is pretty cool. Let's make some fun. Welcome to episode 7 of the Making Fun Podcast. My name is Casey Johnson, and alongside me, as always, my lifelong friend, my favorite bird, of course, I'm talking about at Ravy Baby TV, Raven Stab Miller. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. How you been, buddy? Tired. I've been very, very <laughs> tired. Mood. Got a semi-promotion. Uh, we had one of my guys in the office leave, so I'm taking over his responsibilities while also doing my responsibilities. So getting used to that is going to take a little bit of time, but it'll be worth it. And all of that craziness, have you found time to game? Barely. I figured out Tuesday evening I, while I was playing Fall Guys with some friends. Or no, that was Monday evening. Plus, when Fall Guys was some friends, and then Tuesday I played some more, um, some more Shadow of Mordor. Uh, enjoying it a lot more now that I'm kind of getting into it. Now that I'm remembering the controls, it's just so fun to just be Italian and just be able to kill so many Uruks so easily. Fun fact: that's why I like the Exio trilogy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just you're you're just so strong and so overpowered. You're just like counter, counter, counter. Especially whenever you get the one where your critical strikes give you double your hit counter. Being able to like time everything in kind of a rhythm is really really cool. So yeah, that's what I, that's mostly what I've been playing. I've not had time to breathe otherwise. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I understand. So for me, I played through and I officially rolled credits on Assassin's Creed Three. Yeah, and that was a thing that happened in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to spoil too much for our reviews of each Assassin's Creed game coming later. However, I will say this. Never in my life have I finished an Assassin's Creed game with viewpoints not synced, with viewpoints left over. Wow, that's crazy. See, I'm different. I had uh, finished Assassin's Creed 3, all the viewpoints synced. I had gotten all the Almanac pages. I had crafted everything from the almanacs i had really enjoyed my time so that'll be a fun discussion to have yeah no for sure then jumped into liberation powered through that that was like a two-day game you know considering it originally came out for the vita absolutely love that game i am probably you know like three quarters of the way through that game and i don't know if i can bring myself to do it i don't even remember the characters names honestly i'm on the uh island and just found the uh, NPC of note there on that island just talked to her and just stopped playing because neither Emily and I were into it. The gameplay with the different outfits and stuff was such a cool idea and I was really excited for it, but I don't know. I just just kind of lost interest in it. I just think it took too long to get interesting for me. I, I completely understand. I think there's not very much time spent creating a backstory that you care about for the players uh, or for the characters in the game. They're kind of like, hey, this is you. And you're like, oh, okay. I would say, though, you're probably about like, if you golden path it, you're probably about three three and a half solid hours from the finish line so if you do d decide to go back like that's that's something that can can totally happen there the the ending of it is a fairly cool little ending there's a lot of tiny little stuff about that game that i really like like i love the fact that the idea behind the game is that you're playing a video game that you're playing a game made by abstergo to try and find more stuff about the assassins kind of thing 
Yeah, exactly. But we'll talk about that game a little bit more when we cover Assassin's Creed 3, because we'll cover them together, because there's some, some crossover content there in the late stages of the game that you haven't even gotten to yet. So, Other than that, I started... Assassin's Creed 4, and oh boy am I treating that game differently than I did Assassin's Creed 3. I'm just excited to go ride a boat. I'm very much looking forward to that boat ride. Yeah, no, I. it's weird because like when Assassin's Creed 3, 4 originally came out, I'm like, man, I'm an Assassin's Creed kind of traditionalist. I don't know if I'm going to like this. There's such a huge sailing aspect, et cetera, et cetera. And then 10 hours in, I'm like, <laughs> I'm a pirate. <laughs> and then this time history repeated itself because I was like, on one hand, I'm not really enjoying Assassin's Creed 3 at all on nearly any level. So I know that I love Black Flag, but also like, man, I had so much fun with the Ezio trilogy and this is just so wildly different. I don't know if this is going to be something that I am really into. Right, you don't know if it's that Assassin's Creed feeling that you're really going for that you felt like you missed out in three. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm about 11 hours in and I'm like, help me, Bob, I'm bully in the alleyway. Hey, bully in the alley. <laughs> like, I, this history has repeated itself fully. I'm like, yes, is, is good game, pirate game, love game, shoot cannon. Shoot cannon, take over other ship, get loot. Get better ship. Have more cannon shoot. Exactly. Other than that, though, this is like the age of sports games. Like, this is where all the sports games really start coming in. Tomorrow, I'll be picking up my uh, pre-order for PGA, and then Madden will be in a few days. All I really... I don't hardcore play those games. I just kind of use them as distractions. It doesn't matter how much you love Assassin's Creed. Playing them all in a row gets a, a little monotonous. Yeah, that's kind of why I went to Shadow of War. And then realistically, I'm like, well, this is just Assassin's Creed with extra steps. Yeah, no, exactly. So there'll be nice little distractions, but definitely still going to be maining that. And then in a couple of months, the the Great War begins. Uh, in a couple of weeks, rather, because Avengers is going to come out. Then I have to start thinking about watchdogs and all this stuff and how I'm going to juggle my time in school starting back up and Raven what's making news this week uh, making news is that time is of the essence and neither of us have any um, outside of that, we have Call of Duty Cold War was officially announced by Activision today we don't know anything about it other than it's based in the Cold War which we knew by the name of for the name of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Oh, and I just want to say, shout out to my favorite video game journalist for once again getting it spot on. Ladies and gentlemen, Doritos. Yes, Doritos, once again, with the hottest scoop in the gaming industry, turned out to be completely spot on. Yeah, no, we all knew that this was coming, but I still can't believe that th it's gone so long without us getting any info. And now they're like, hey, you want to see the box art? And we're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trailer was released today called Know Your History. Uh, it basically is just a small little history lesson about the Cold War and about the idea about that, how to insurrect. That wasn't a trailer for the game. That was a trailer for the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It's, <laughs> it, it literally is about uh, propaganda on how to make a different country, like have their people start a revolution and how to take over a country that way yeah no no for sure and, and i will say i spent a lot of time with call of duty back in the day it's not something i don't know if i'll ever 
go back to it or not. I was just kind of like, around that time in my life, I was like, what is the popular game? Shoot game? Okay. I want to play shoot game with friend. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the original Black Ops, actually. And this is said to be doing to Black Ops what the last game did for Modern Warfare. Which, you know, completely modernize it, reboot it. And that is something that I'm actually interested in. So, next week when they have their official reveal, I will be watching closely and I will be bringing my thoughts. And I probably won't end up buying the game until later on next year. Once I actually have time to freaking play something. <laughs> you think you're going to have time to play games next year? That, that's a funny joke. Your, your backlog is going to go so far. I mean, heck, I saw today, I've never played through Cuphead. Cuphead I can get for $10 on my Switch right now. I'm probably going to pick up Cuphead and play through that. But with the official, with the worldwide reveal next week, with, we'll see gameplay, getting a new Warzone map, new Zombies mode. It'll get a full campaign this October or early November. <sighs> Moving on. Ghost of Tsushima is getting an update. A uh, pretty substantial one. It's adding co-op multiplayer, which is super interesting. There's going to be two main ways the co-op is going to work. First, there is going to be a two-player cooperative story missions that you're going to be playing as one of four characters, either the samurai, the hunter, the ronin, or the assassin. Each of them will have unique advantages and abilities that we'll see later. Uh, in the co-op one, you choose one of those characters, and the person you're playing with will choose another one, and you play through it together, kind of walking through this area and figuring stuff out. And then with four people, you'll be able to take on wave-based survival missions. I'm kind of imagining something like Call of Duty Zombies, where you're just fighting these hordes of enemies and seeing how long you can last. But there's also one final thing that you get with four people. It's called a raid where you try to take down this giant threatening boss, uh, which, you know, adding more ways to play games is always a good thing. Uh, if you really think about it, all games are just rules engines and being able to add more ways to play the games is never a bad idea. Yeah, no, for sure. And if you, cause I know you have not played the game and I actually got pretty darn deep in the game. And for as many problems as I have with that game, I absolutely loved it. These four characters that you're going to be playing as are characters in the main game, in a way. Yeah. So they are essentially legends that you have heard stories about and you have to go to like their gravesite or their sh shrine and like you, you get their armor or you get like a special bow that belonged to them or something and you learn like their signature move or whatever. That To me, that means it's fairly obvious that they planned this from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. And on another note, in that where in the world did this come from oh that is a very good question it just kind of came out of left field like i was just looking through the news i was like okay cool cool like just some kind of stuff and then i was like where what and apparently it was that way with everybody in the industry too like people who i follow that are very plugged in we're talking like the igns and game spots of the world people who know everybody like the game informers of the world every single one of them had a write-up that was like Okay, so this is happening, but I think is the perfect timing, right? Because I've been considering whether or not to trade in my copy. Like, in the back of my head, I always knew that I wasn't going to, but on the other hand, I'm like, oh, that's thirty-seven fifty in store credit. Buy most of a new game with that. Yeah, and so this immediately said to me, okay, I'm not getting rid of my copy because, number one, I'd like to go back and finish it at some point when, you know, that's an itch, but at the same time, like, I have friends that are going 
going to have played this by then that are going to want to play it online. So for me, you know, it's that reason to keep going. And so I think August 17th, 2020 was the exact perfect time to do that. That's when everybody was finishing it up. That's when everybody's popping that last trophy for the platinum or whatever. And they're saying, do I get rid of the game or do I keep? Oh, no. Oh, oh, so I keep it. Okay. Yeah. 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 No. Cool. Got it. Got it. Cool. Awesome. Great. Yeah. No, it's great. It kind of. And it's perfect for things like this that you could add these later, right? Because they're adding an exclusive multiplayer update for people. And you're like, oh, well, what about the people who don't have internet? Well, they can't play this update anyway. So it's kind of a moot point. So no, it's definitely great. Uh, don't have any time frame on when this will be. We'll have any more information on this, but it's coming. Yep, supposed to be coming in fall 2020. So we'll see what happens. Next up. PlayStation talks a little bit more about the DualShock 5 and how the adaptive triggers and haptic feedback provide new game experiences. It's one of those things where nothing jumps out at you like this is going to be a huge game changer. But as you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, this is going to this is going to be a game changer, right? Yeah, no, for sure. So we have the one that sticks out to me the most, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Deathloop has it to where the adaptive triggers, if your gun is jammed, you will not, you cannot pull the triggers. So they will be locked and you cannot actually try to attempt to shoot your gun if it's jammed. So you have physical feedback to know, oh snap, I have to fix my gun, which is extremely cool. Yeah, no, for sure. And then from Miles Morales, due to that haptic feedback, you're going to, like when you get your spider sense, it's going to tell you just based by the feel of your hand where the attack is coming from. I dope. Yeah, cool. You'll know exactly which direction it's coming from. Same kind of thing with Demon Souls. They've had that haptic feedback. You also, you can also feel heavier hits from people when they're hitting you, like depending on how strong they are, right? So like a big fist is going to give you more haptic feedback than a tiny fist would. Godfall, you'll be able to feel what kind of weapons you're playing with. Same thing with Ratchet and Clank. No, it's just definitely a really cool idea. Um, They're integrating it really well in these couple of games that we talked about, and I'm excited to see how it's integrated in a lot more games moving forward. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that the messaging of this is fantastic because... I think back three years ago now to the reveal of the Nintendo Switch, and I I will I will never stop shouting from the rooftops that that presentation was terrible. Love my Switch. That presentation was terrible. And one of the things was they were like, "Ha ha, HD Rumble," and we're like, "Okay, what does HD Rumble do?" And they're like, "Ha, you can feel the ice cubes." And we're like, "Okay, what else does HD Rumble do?" And they're like, "The ice cubes, you can feel each one of them clink into." Th-. And we're like, "Yeah, okay, but what else?" And I think to this day, not a ton of people, not a ton of developers have truly taken advantage of that. Most of the developers that have really taken advantage of that and used it well start with an N and end in Nintendo. Yeah, naturally, because it's an Nintendo console they've always been the ones to kind of do that but it's such a shame because hd rumble is such a cool idea so i'm hoping the games that we talked about are all first party title or not first party titles but they're exclusive to playstation so here's hoping that we see kind of some more stuff happen with haptic feedback on even just like indie titles well yeah for sure and i think the the main difference is certain things especially for shooters and i was telling you before we started recording this is going to revolutionize shooters because every shooter is going to implement this mechanic on PlayStation because that's a fairly easy thing to program, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, you're just, if your clip is empty or your gun is jammed, if they have something like that, just there is going to be a 
couple of codes of command where you're going to call a function that is going to prevent you from pulling the trigger on your PlayStation DualShock controller. However, if people don't know that, they're going to think their controller is broken and get really upset about it. Yeah, well, I'm sure that that'll, you know, in the first level, your gun will get jammed and it'll be like, uh-oh, notice how you can't pull your trigger. But yeah, no, I can imagine people are going to try to return their controller to the to the store that I work at a lot. But I really love the fact that they came out and provided specific examples because the number one thing that we have heard, like, and anybody that knows me knows I listen to Kind of Funny a lot, and Greg Miller is like, what does haptic feedback do? Yes, yes, yes. I know when you're drawing back the bowstring, you can feel it pulling. I don't care. What else can it do? I'm so tired of hearing that. And then his co-host would be like, well, Greg, the thing you're not realizing is that when you pull back on the bowstring, <laughs> like, but seriously, that that's that's all we had. And that was their equivalent of, oh, well, the ice cubes. Right. So with them actually showing what stuff does, I love it. Yeah. And I think, too, that it was like for Nintendo it was always the thing of okay well you can feel the ice cubes like what else does it do you're like well leave that to the imagination which isn't great for a consumer standpoint view but is kind of how it works sometimes you know because uh, they can't say anything without putting their foot in their mouth sometimes right but I am excited to see how haptic feedback works. Very, very much excited. Now, next up, we had one story that we were going to talk about, but I'm going to interject a couple, one, not a couple, just one piece of news here. There is some news coming out, uh, more news on when the Xbox Series X and Xbox or the PS5 will release and kind of their launch price from a person on Twitter named Geronimo underscore 73. I've heard that he knows what he is talking about and has been correct on some things in the past. So he is saying that the Xbox Series X should be coming out on November 6th, which kind of lines up with that a date that we were talking about last week with the controller and not necessarily the game. And it'll launch for $499 US. The day before that, we're going to get the Xbox Series S launching for $399 US. And then the following week on the 13th, we'll get the PS5 at $499 for the regular, for the disc version, and $399 for the digital version. And this is news. He's quoting him it's news and not a rumor or speculation. So we might be hearing more about this sooner than later. We keep saying this, it's gonna happen. And you know, if we keep saying it enough, we're gonna it's gonna happen at some point. It's inevitable. But the more that we talk about it, the more likely it is. So Here's my thing. I think 500 is a good price point for both of them. I think if, you know, if Xbox comes out and says 499, PlayStation's going to be able to figure out a way to probably swing 450. <laughs> yeah. And then apparently I was incorrect. Sorry, one more thing. I was incorrect on the 399 for the Series S. It is actually 299 in a follow-up message. So $300 for an Xbox Series S. Okay. So, he Here's what I'm going to ask, and it's it's more rhetorical than anything. Why is it that Xbox feels the need to make everything unnecessarily complicated. Like, if you think that having two release dates is a good idea, it's not. Even if it's one day apart, it's a terrible idea. It's not. No, I. you know what? I'll take it one further, especially if it's one day apart. And if your two consoles that you're releasing are Series S and Series X, guess what? You can't tell the difference between those two things over the phone. I didn't even know there was a Series S coming out. 
I had no idea this was a thing. It's is it just the discless version of the X? Because it looks like it's half of the that's, size. That's that's what the rumors are. Yeah, it looks like it's half of the size is going to be a digital version. So what? They're releasing it a day early so people can download the games they want to play on the sixth. Like, is that the intention yeah, man, here? I don't know. And and that's the thing is that. If you think that a lot of people aren't going to be, Raven, incredibly angry when they show up at midnight at their local GameStop for their Series X and it is Series S day and they misheard it and as it turns out they don't come out on the same day, come on! Well, the worst part, you know what the worst part about that will be? There is no way that the Series X's and the Series S's don't come in on the same truck. So they're going to have those Series X's in the back, but they won't be able to break street date and sell them to people, even though they have them inventoried and ready to go on the same day. Right? God, what a mess. It's going to be... the Why? more. The more I think about this, the worse <laughs> it gets. Like, it just... It doesn't make sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why do you have to be the most confusing company on planet Earth? Oh, my God. But we do get the PS5 uh, the 13th, one week after. Both both of their versions are on the same day, though. That's cool. Uh, so I don't have to wait a day to get a console with a disc in it. Woo. But we see we actually see the Series S supposedly dropping a two hundred dollars off for not having the for not having a disk drive, which begs the question: like it's half of the size. Are they they have to be cutting out some other features of it, right? I, I also believe that it's not quite as powerful. That's what I was about to say. Like it would probably be a PS4 to a PS4 Pro kind of thing, or maybe it's maybe it's as strong as the Xbox One. Well, no, it's not as strong as the Xbox One because they're going to continue to produce Xbox One S's. What I'm hearing is that. Xbox Series S is similar in power to the Xbox One X, which is why they stopped production on that. So it's going to be the Series S, which is all digital and approximately Xbox One X speed. To me, I and that, that would make sense because that would be the only way to me that they would be able to cut $200 off of it. But I will say $300 for an introductory price point on a current gen console is super good they're just going to lose people for not having a disk drive like and obviously we haven't actually seen it like the picture i'm looking at here is definitely just photo they just photoshopped an xbox series x and literally just cut it in half and photoshopped it white like that's all they did but there's 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 no way that anybody's going to buy it if it doesn't have a disk drive right like even the switch has a cartridge reader for three hundred dollars like so many people want those physical games, especially people who are going to try and buy the cheaper console. They're not if they can't get the disc version, like they're going to spend the extra hundred dollars so they can trade in the games that they don't want to play later, right? And even the Series S might be perfect for people who are having Game Pass though. On this, on the other side of that coin, like if you're just going to be playing games through Game Pass, having the Series S is perfectly fine. So I don't know, it's a it's a whole thing. Yeah, no, and it's 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 a difficult situation, right? Because I think. Contrary, potentially even to what you're saying, in bigger cities, in your New Yorks and San Francisco's and um, anywhere that has fiber internet, you're going to sell a lot of Series S's. But otherwise, the, that it's not going to be a worldwide type of thing. Right. You're not. You're not going to be able to sell a bunch of Series S's in like in towns that neighbor rural areas because they're not going to be able to update these games they're not gonna be able to download you know full 60 70 80 gigabyte games onto these series s's without going through their entire data cap in minutes look at 
where you and I are at geographically, right? Like we live, you live in Bloomington. I live in Columbus. And in between us, guess what there is? A lot of area where you don't even have cell service. Oh, no. No, not none at all. And, like, I, I may have told this story before, but I'll never forget this older guy came into work once, and he was talking about how they were telling him that he could pay for internet, and they were going to put internet out, and he lived, like, right smack dab in the middle of the uh, dead zone between Nashville and uh, Bloomington. And they were like, yeah, you start paying for it now or whatever, and he's like, well, when am I going to get it? And... They're like three to five years, and he's what? like, I might not be alive then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not paying for a service that I'm not receiving. What? Wow, okay. Yeah, and uh, and he may have slightly misunderstood it or whatever, but I, I guess my point is the entire world is not going to be connected even by the end of this console generation. Not even close. So We'll start seeing connections in these rural areas, but there's no way that everything is going to be as connected as companies in LA, companies like on the West Coast, are thinking that we Hon- are. Honestly, though, as long as you're not taking too huge of a loss on it, go ahead and pump it out there, see how many you sell, but... Mm. I won't buy one, but having it at $300 is a good... Ins- like, $300 is a good incentive for a console. Like, I probably won't get one, but if I was going to get an Xbox console, it would probably be the Series S, because I play so few games on it anyway. Yeah, and another thing, too, is, like, for families or whatever, because you think Xbox kind of wants to be that thing where... Kind of like an Apple TV, right, where you have one in different places in your home whereas the series x is the perfect living room piece right like the series s is the perfect thing to go in your bedroom and like be your streaming box it's a bit of an expensive streaming box but it's a streaming box like you could throw your netflix throw hulu throw youtube any of that i guarantee will be on it at launch well yeah but you know honestly if you think about it it's not quite that crazy of a streaming box like it looks like right now the Apple TV uh, retails at 150. You're telling me for double that price, I can also play Halo Infinite on. You know, like I I do understand where the value is there for sure. No, and like like I was saying, like if I already have Game Pass on PC, but if I get to a point where I get home and you're like, I'm just like, I don't want to play games on my computer today. I just want to sit on the couch and relax. Is 300 dollars an investment that is worth making at that, like, it kind of is, it kind of isn't, right? Like, I don't think I'll do it anytime soon, but it's definitely an idea that could be possible. Regardless, I'm definitely buying a PS5 at launch. Doesn't matter. Uh, Moving on. In the saga of Epic Games versus Apple, Epic Games says Apple is terminating their developer account and will cut them off from developer tools on August 28th, meaning that Epic Games will no longer be able to publish anything on the Apple App Store, period. Obviously due to the lawsuit that is pending from them. It makes sense. We're going to see Apple... If they're getting sued by Epic, they're going to go, okay, well, you can't publish anything on our platform because you're suing us, right? Like, it makes sense. They filed a court order to stop this. It is a 200-page court order. I am not going to read through it. Basically, they're like, hey, don't do this, stupid. Like, we want to be able to put stuff on your platform. And then another side note that I have another article here basically saying that in 2013, the district judge that was handling a case similar to this, that will be handling the same case here, in theory, ruled in favor of Apple saying that, well, Apple really didn't do anything. They, they didn't, at a minimum, they did not allege facts showing that each named plaintiff has personally suffered an injury in fact 
based on Apple's alleged conduct. And then concerning the 30% cut, the judge said that the fee wasn't charged by Apple, but quote, passed on to consumers by developers, ruling that consumers can't sue for antitrust violations and over, over passed on charges, which doesn't seem right to me. Basically, that's lawyer speak. In my, in my mind, it sounds like, well, it's not a developer free. It's fees that you're passing on to the consumer from the developer. So it's your guys' fee that you're charging to be on their platform, which which in response is, no, so that's a developer fee to be on the platform. No, it's going to be one of those things. I, I, I personally have a theory on this that I don't think whoa, Apple... Whoa, 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 hang on a second. Sorry, uh, Fortnite was also kicked off Google Play. Did we talk about that? Wait, what? I, I was reading through the rest of this uh, article for anything of note, and then the very last paragraph just says, Fortnite was also kicked off of Google Play, and Epic is also suing Google for anti-competitive practices. Wait, this happened last week? This happened the day after we recorded. Google appears to have joined Apple in its stance against the Battle Royale behemoth, confirming in a statement to The Verge that the game's removal from the Google Play is indeed because of it circumventing Google's pay policies. Quote, the open Android ecosystem lets developers distribute apps through multiple app stores the statement reads for game developers who choose to use the play store we have consistent policies that are fair to developers and keep the store safe for users while fortnite remains available on android we can no longer make it available on play because it violates our policies however we welcome the opportunity to continue our discussions with epic and bring fortnite back to google play so it's not available through google's direct app store but is rather just available on other platforms like i am i think samsung has their own app store if i remember correctly i could be wrong that was a ride i'm gonna read the last paragraph here and see if there's another one (laughs) you can there's also an epic games app that you can download it from okay so it's still available on Android, but so it looks like it's still a 30% cut on on Google as well, which is weird because they're suing Apple over monopolative, like monopoly practices, but then they were also kicked off Android for the same reason. So why are they, are they suing Google, are they suing Google for the same practices? I don't know. I believe yes. So, so you're going to sue two companies that are competing against each other for, for a monopoly? Including one company that's totally, aside from the Fortnite debate, right? The other big one is the xCloud thing. And Stadia is being, you know, not put on Apple for the same reasoning as xCloud. Yeah, you think it would be the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but no, the enemy, everybody is my enemy is Epic's current stance, which is, this that ain't, that ain't it, Chief. That just isn't, I was a little bit interested in seeing how Epic was going to do this to see like what they're talking about, but it looks like they're just trying to sue all these platforms to try and make as much, most money through the purchases as they can, which makes sense, right? Epic's the company. They're going to do that. But you can't just start burning down buildings to get what you want, right? Like, you are making money off of the app stores, and now you're making a whopping zero monies from either of the app stores because you decided to circumvent policies that are in place for a reason. This is a fire. It's a dumpster fire, for sure. And God knows it's going to keep going. Sweet Jesus. (sighs) So... I'm sure that I read through this article on the on the end here about Fortnite getting kicked off Google Play. There's not another surprise twist at the end of this article. No, I um I I dropped you a link for us to both read later. We'll read that and talk about it in the future. But for now, we will move on from the the Epic Games Epic battle against app stores and move on to the real reason that halo infinite but was delayed. epic i get it <laughs> thanks for pointing out the joke it makes it less funny halo infinite was delayed not for the tv show that's being developed which i just figured out about but in an article through ign it is being delayed because of outsourcing 
which outsourcing, for those who don't know, is where companies will hire other companies to do work part of game or part of things, right? And it happens all the time. All the time. Outsourcing is constant, right? You don't want to pay art staff, like as, as terrible as it sounds, you don't want to pay art staff to be in-house all the time because unless it's like a very popular game that's constantly getting updated because you're not going to use them after a certain amount of time. So you outsource it to not have to lay anybody off. You do a contract with people and then those people are always in work. It's a great system. But apparently out, the ratio of outsourcing for Halo Infinite was, quote, at a higher rate than a typical studio undertakes during development. So they're outsourcing, you know, like I would say that mostly art and sound are outsourced in development sound a little bit less so nowadays but definitely art but they're saying that like more was outsourced than usual so just how much is being outsourced here yeah no that's kind of a question for me because obviously you know something is always going to be outsourced i I heard one person say all you got to do is watch the credits of any game you've ever beat right and you can see the outsourcing but how much of your game is actually being outsourced here 343 the main thing that it's a take from here is that that the marketing team and engineering team behind Halo Infinite have, quote, been on two different planets, which makes sense because we just saw gameplay for the first time like a week ago, whenever we heard about it in 2019. But another thing, too, is that there's just so much disparity between all of these different uh, outsourcing studios that are unable to meet their deadlines and get everything to work cohesively because they have so much work being outsourced. It's just, direct quote, the coordination between the many different companies contributing to Infinite has been rough at best. And I would agree that we could probably say harsher words because it is definitely a little bit more than rough because your major app, your moneymaker is not coming out at launch. Yeah, no, the most ridiculous thing to me in um, this particular idol uh, article. Shout out to Jordan Allman at IGN. My favorite line here. Apparently the E3 2019 trailer for Halo Infinite was outsourced while the game was not in a playable state which oversold expectations for Infinite's later demos. I didn't even see that. I read around that to get the quotes I wanted which is hilarious. I didn't even. Oh my god. <sighs> I just need a second. This is this is too much. What a day, man. <laughs> and as we said last time, good on 343 for pushing back the deadline. We don't want we don't want to play this mess as it is, but come on, man. Yeah, no, here's my thing. That the way that I feel about this now is, oh, so it's an outsourcing issue. Okay, cool. That makes a lot more sense. <clears throat> anyway, this can't happen. <laughs> Like, <laughs> cool, cool. It makes sense. Uh, so it's not 343 to blame, mostly, but like, this shouldn't happen. This is a problem, obviously, but why is it a problem that is currently happening? And that's the thing is because I've heard the the term outsourcing in games twice due to issues this week because I don't know if you were paying attention last weekend, but the PC beta of, of Avengers did not go well. Um, apparently, it was chugging hard. All, all kinds of uh, glitches here and there and whatnot, but they outsourced that port. Yeah. Oh. Most companies do. There's there's one company in particular that does a terrible job at PC ports that uh, the Mortal Kombat developers keep going with that is consistently showing to be bad, but they're just, they keep using them and they keep being bad ports. Like you can't, in, in fighting games, you can't have frame drops because all of your moves are based on how many frames it takes for you to do your move. And if you're unable to keep the consistent 60 frame the game offers, then you can't play the game properly in a competitive environment. So, yeah, no, I, I will say one thing about this is I feel like a lot of people are learning more about how games are developed. Yes. 
I will agree. Through this Halo situation, I think, which which is cool because people need to, to learn about that and to be more understanding of the medium. With that being said, come on, boys. We got to, they definitely dropped the ball, but I, I do think that they'll be able to pick it back up without too much problem. It'll, it'll all work out, hopefully. And it appears that that does it for the news. However, well, Raven, I guess that does it for our recording portion right now. But the episode itself is not over. You see, we are recording this on Thursday the 20th. And on Saturday the 22nd, we are going to get some hot, steaming, sexy news from DC about not only Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, but WB Montreal. Of course, they've been teasing the Court of Owls and teasing and teasing and teasing and teasing. And they're going to give us some more information. Raven, I do want to know, because we're sitting in an interesting place where our listeners are going to flip directly over to it. And they're going to know what happened before we talk about it. So we're both in a, a unique situation to make ourselves look stupid here. What do you expect from these games? Oh my God, I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, I just, more than likely, a mission-based game... Uh, no, not a mission-based game. I expect an open-world game kind of like Arkham City where you can choose what character you're playing the game as and then different missions will allow you to play as different members of the Suicide Squad. That is what I'm expecting. And what do you think the Batman game is going to be? Because I, I think it's I think it's fairly easy to see that it's going to be a Batman game in some form. Honestly, I have zero idea. I would like to imagine it would kind of keep up with the, with its predecessors and kind of play those same ways, but with how they have the backlash they got from Arkham Knight, anything is possible here. Who knows? We might see we won't see a turn-based RPG, but we could. It's 2020, dude. I've seen I've seen crazier oh things God. happen in 2020. Oh, oh, that is the number one way to make Casey just turn your presentation off during <laughs> the middle of it. I can just imagine oh, you'd be really into it, oh. like the like a narrative trailer. And you're like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really liking this narrative. And then you just see it, like Batman. It's just a camera turns to the side, <laughs> and you just see an action menu, and you just turn off your computer Dude, and just leave. I've had that happen with so much stuff that wasn't Batman. God, I wouldn't watch the Suicide Squad thing later in the night. <laughs> I just wouldn't even watch it. I'm like, I'm done with this company. I'm done. I'm just going to go play Avengers beta. <laughs> we'll record an episode and it's just Casey Casey crying through the outro is what you will hear if that is the case. Oh, man. So hopefully we're not going to get a, uh, a turn-based RPG from this specific developer. I will say, I think we're going to see a pretty extensive story trailer. And I think there is going to be gameplay. If not... No, you know, I'm going to say I think there's going to be gameplay for both games because it was kind of like I said on last week's show. These developers have been working on this game for longer than we realize. It was kind of like a almost like an Avengers situation, although we didn't get, you know, Avengers gameplay right then. They've done diddly squat for several years now publicly. So I think these games are a lot farther along than a lot of people realize. So I am excited. So with a snap of the fingers, let's make Saturday come just a little bit quicker and we'll see you guys on the other side all right it is sunday dc fandom was yesterday and you know what raven before we get to all of the games i will just say dc needed the totality of what this event was yesterday because i i mean i of course this is an opinion but I think that most everything that they showed off yesterday looked pretty good. Yeah, for sure. The Suicide Squad movie, 
I can't get over the fact that that's going to be a thing. So full disclosure, I had a pretty busy day yesterday, so I didn't get to watch much outside of the games trailers. The only thing that I had watched that wasn't related to the two games that we'll be talking about today was the cast of various DC movies playing superhero mafia. <laughs> okay. So I didn't, and I haven't got the chance to watch the Suicide Squad movie trailer or the Batman movie trailer. Um, any of that yet so well the the suicide squad trailer was basically just a roll call it was more like a cast reveal than anything okay sure and oh my god raven if this isn't a cast so obviously uh you know margot robbie the guy who played captain boomerang in the original etc etc like some of them are back then you've got john cena the, the, the <laughs> idris elba peter capaldi pete davidson oh um, okay. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of them, but like they're all playing these obscure villains. Like Polka Dot Man is in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw that on my Twitter feed. That something about Polka Dot Man, which was the first time I had ever heard of him. Yeah, no, I I was familiar with him because Greg Miller of Kind of Funny did the voice for him in Lego DC Villains, the game. Okay, sure. But yeah, no. I mean, Nathan Fillion is in it. Taika Watiti's in it in some form, which is interesting. But of course, it's being done by the director and screenplay is being done by James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Yep, yep. And so if anybody can take this cast of characters and make it work, I mean, he took the guy from Parks and Rec and turned him into a superstar, right? So yeah, no, I just, I was telling Nia about everybody who's in it one by one and she was like, what is this movie? I'm like, something I'm gonna see on over night that's for sure (laughs) but the big two things leading into this uh from a gaming perspective is we knew that we were going to get something from ubisoft montreal we were pretty sure it would have something to do with the court of owls you know just given the fact that they've been using the hashtag beware the court of owls for the last year (laughs) tipped me off raven i i don't know i think i think there's something else to be said there but that is some expert sleuthing uh, to notice that they've been using the hashtag Court of Owls, Beware the Court of Owls for the past year. Uh, yeah, and so then uh, obviously we knew that there was going to be a Suicide Squad game from Rocksteady, the same studio that produced the Arkham series, or at least most of the Arkham series. Arkham Origins was produced by Ubisoft, uh, not, whew, been talking too much Ubisoft lately. WB Montreal. And generally people's thoughts on that game would go one of two ways. There were the people who didn't realize that it wasn't produced by the same people. And they're like, another great game in the Arkham series. And then there were the people who knew it wasn't produced by the same people. And they were like, this sucks. I wanted to be produced by Rocksteady. But it, it really was. You could not tell that it was a different game. They replicated those assets so well. And this is a really good way, I think, for them to show off what they actually can do. So I I did find out, they did clarify, this game is technically not set in the Arkham timeline. Correct. Although, let's be fair here, it may as well be. Yeah. Because the Court of Owls is the the big, you know, quote-unquote, main villain that is in this game. It starts off with Batman being dead, which is what Arkham Knight ended with. Which, by the way, Batman is dead exactly as much as Captain America is dead in the Avengers game. Uh, give me three quarters of the way through and we'll get to play as him, but still. Yeah, yeah. He he died off-screen. That He's alive. Nobody ever actually dies off-screen, especially a character with as 
much uh, weight to them as Batman. Yeah, exactly. And there's always another Batman worst case scenario. That That's the number one thing that makes me think that he's not dead because if he were dead, then somebody like a Nightwing or a Jason Todd or one of the three Robins that are in this game would be taking... As is customary, the banner. Yeah, they'd step up and take on the helm of Batman. Batman isn't necessarily a person, it's a moniker, you know? Yeah, so obviously that that's going to, to be a, a thing at some point. You know, we, we've kind of played as each of the characters. Obviously, it opens up and it's the code black, right? And it's Batman saying, hey, I'm dead and it's not going to take people very long to realize that I am dead. And so you guys need to step up. Those four being the Tim Drake Robin, who has been completely redesigned uh, from anything that was present in uh, the Arkham series. He looks kind of more like a classic interpretation of Robin. Yeah, kind of like the 70s Robin. Yeah, and you know, his gameplay, it looks like, is very staff-based, right? Like, it's, it's classic Robin gameplay. Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, is going to be the most akin to Batman, obviously. Um, a lot of those gameplay systems and the, the building blocks will probably come over, but the, I think, too, this is an interesting opportunity for them to introduce her own stuff with just the guys of it being Batgirl. Because, like, when I was, whenever I was watching it yesterday, I was like, okay, this just looks like Arkham Batman from, like, Arkham City just put onto a different rig and playing with that, which, you know, is never a bad thing because that looks the most different from the rest of the cast from what we've seen so far. Yeah, and obviously there's going to be, you know, some of her own stuff in there that is there because she's Batgirl and she has her own distinct weapons and all that. Yeah, she has like a tonfa or something. Yeah, there is going to be a tinge of like, this is how we would have designed Batman if we hadn't been replicating the Arkham asset. Nightwing, of course, who is Dick Grayson, he's very shocky, very shocky, very acrobatics. I mean, of all four of the characters, I think Nightwing is the most like, okay, yeah, this is Nightwing. They took the, they took the batons, they made him Congratulations, we have Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, you have the Red Hood, Jason Todd, who I am very, very glad that they decided not to go with the character of the Arkham Knight, because Arkham Knight literally was just Red Hood, except not named Red Hood. Okay, <laughs> sure. I actually never got around to playing Arkham Knight, but I do need to do that. Or origins or any of the arkham series oh yeah no i i think i think all of them are very very good games and honestly don't listen to the hype about arkham knight the tank sections are a little annoying but they're not the entire game they're made out to be more than they are but no so jason todd and you can see the the scars on his cheek uh from his encounter with the uh with joker and he's very very violent everybody's like oh like less than like non-lethal attacks and he's like i literally have guns and i'm just gonna shoot you yeah because he broke you know the code the bat family code a long time ago and so now there's no coming back right one thing that was a few things that i noticed there in the gameplay number one 
they've got a lot of gameplay. And that's something that I kind of expected. Like, I, I did make the prediction that both of these games were going to kind of bring more than we thought they were going to bring. Because you were, you were even more so, oh, we're going to get a teaser for each and it's going to be a five-minute portion of the episode. But Montreal brought it. Yeah, for sure. The, the thing that got me is, number one, enemies have levels, right? They have, like, the little level 10 or whatever. And then every once in a while, you see damage numbers pop up. Now, I, I do understand it to be the case that both of these are going to be co-op games optionally. Yes. And they have also said that, like, if you choose to do it single player, the other ones will be there in your party, just controlled by the CPU. In both of those games, and that's one of the very few things that gives me pause because I don't know if that is exact. I'm sure it's going to be great, but I don't know if that's exactly like what I am looking for. And I hope it just doesn't become too beat em uppy. The only other thing that I saw that's really interesting to me is a little thing in what Batman said that's like, I left you my secondary bat cave. It's outdated, but it'll do. What that means is that we're going to. That's the way to introduce the level system, obviously. Right. Level system, equipment repair system, or in this case, like building your own equipment. Because he says it'll, you can, you, you, I know you'll be able to figure it out and get back up to where I was or probably even better kind of thing. Yeah. And he also said you have access to all my files. So it'll probably be like you have to collect the files from computer terminals around the city or whatever. And then you'll get the blueprints and then you figure out exactly what stuff you need. Yeah, no, it has a has a pretty easy crafting system there. So, no, I, I definitely, I watched, the, you watched the gameplay trailer as well, correct? Not just the... Yeah. Okay. The gameplay trailer... I was watching it live. Okay. That's right. That's right. Uh, I watched it a little bit afterwards, not live. The gameplay trailer looked really, really good. I was really impressed Surprisingly by Surprisingly polished. There was a couple of frame drops there, but this is pre-alpha footage, so I wouldn't be surprised if those are pretty much non-existent. The only frame drops that I saw were whenever there was a lot of graphical effects going on, which is to be expected. But yeah, no, it looks great. The freeze tower looked really, really pretty. The combat, being able to kind of do it two ways, being able to go in, sneak, as opposed to taking on headlong, head on, is also really cool. So yeah, I think it. I have... My only question currently is how you swap between the different characters. Can you just do that as w- at will? or I could be getting my wires crossed and be talking about one game as opposed to the other, but I think you'll be able to at will. At least in one of the games, I know it's been confirmed that it's seamless, but I don't remember which one. It's been confirmed in the other one, so we'll talk about that a little bit later because I do have notes specifically saying that. The only reason that I think it, in this one, uh, this game, by the way, is Gotham Knights. I just realized that we never actually introduced the name of it. 2021 release date and yeah with as as polished as it looks i would say probably early 2021 maybe it's that summer game yeah quarter two quarter three somewhere in there but my biggest thing is do they each have their own campaign that like you you like go to load a save and it's like choose what character you want to play as and then you choose one of the four characters because it said we they were halfway through batgirl's story and halfway through the Mr. Freeze portion of Batgirl's story. So it kind of has me thinking, where exactly does this all fall, you know? Yeah, but, you know, if that's if that's your biggest question, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, no, for sure. That That is that is the least of the actual overall worries. It is just kind of a thing of, like, I, I would like to know more details about this, but you still have my interest. I'm still very likely to 
look into this game and probably pick it up. Oh, yeah. And I am excited about the Court of Owls. The Court of Owls is basically a crime syndicate that has been secretly running Gotham since colonial times. And they are, you know, they're very ritualized and a lot of powerful figures in society are actually a part of this and woven into this. And they're kind of like the head of the Court of Owls. And then there are the Talons, which are kind of their boots on the ground, hitmen, uh, the skilled killers of the group. You know what that means, Raven? Court of Owls are Templars, baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. My favorite Assassin's Creed game. Gotham Knights. <laughs> Let's go. All right. We're just going to bring everything into the Assassin's Creed verse. It'll be great. That's kind of the way my life is right now. <laughs> but yeah, Gotham Knights, like you said, 2021, probably quarter two, quarter three, somewhere in that summer release, maybe early fall. With how well it looks, I would be surprised if they tried to push it back to holiday. But if they pushed it back to holiday, I would I, I would be surprised, but not surprised at the same time, you know? I'm, I'm going to buy it. No matter when it drops, so we're <laughs> we're good. And then, of course, we had Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. And, of course, Suicide Squad, the whole deal with them is they get let out of prison to do the jobs that nobody else can do, but there's basically a kill switch embedded in their brain that if they go rogue... If they go rogue, they just uh, kablooey. Suicide Squad, I think, is a cool concept that has never been fully executed in any media other than comics. I mean, the Suicide Squad movie was was widely regarded as bad so i never saw it myself but that is always what i heard i never did either i never needed to so having this game it's either you know it's either going to be really good or really bad but when it comes to rocksteady like that name carries enough weight that i trust them right and essentially the idea here is that apparently the, the justice league's brains are being controlled and they are doing bad things and the only people that can stop them are the supervillains, which is a really interesting way to look at it your four main characters here are Harley Quinn, we have Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and King Shark as the four main characters of this game. Yeah, I, I always forget Deadshot versus Deathstroke versus, I mean. I saw Deadshot come on screen and I said, oh, that's Deadshot. And I was like, wait a second. Is it Deadshot? Like yeah, is it Deadshot or is it Deathstroke? I'm like, they have a similar aesthetic probably related and I just don't know my comic book lore well enough. But those are the four main characters. Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, and King Shark which Captain Boomerang I had never heard of before I saw this trailer yesterday, and Captain Boomerang looks super cool. I'm into it. Yeah, no, Ca Captain Boomerang, uh, as I understand it, was one of the few bright spots in the Suicide Squad movie. He's he's like an, an anchored, you know, part of that, that Suicide Squad, and you can see why. He's he's positively charming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love King Shark as essentially the not to just you know keep making guardians of the galaxy comparisons but i love him as like the drax where he was like aha the mighty superman has saved that man from the burning helicopter and then you just see superman just go and just like fry that guy and you're like oh no that's not good but yeah so suicide squad kill the justice league made by rocksteady it is they confirmed in the post uh interview 
in the interview after the they showed the trailer and stuff, this is actually the game that's con- the continuation of the Arkhamverse. One of the lead yeah. designers at Rocksteady came out and said that this game is set in the Arkhamverse, which is really interesting because it has a completely different feel than the other Arkham games. But the game that has the game the feel of the Arkham games is not a relation to it directly. So it's kind of like, oh, that's that's interesting. That's a we that's a weird way to look at it. But the only other thing of note that I really caught was that this is the game that you can swap between any of the four main characters at will. Just completely just a hot swap. And it's coming out in twenty twenty two. Yeah, and this this looks like I wouldn't guess that this is playable yet. Oh no, absolutely not. There's there's no way. If it was any if it was in any way playable, we would have saw some like at least a little bit of gameplay, but this was five minutes of story trailer, which is completely fine. Don't get me wrong. I think that because there were rumors over the past few years that Rocksteady was working on a Justice League game and then it was just a Superman game and then it was a Suicide Squad game. It, like You can tell they're early on. However, with that being said, one thing that I do want to do is give a shout out actually to my boy King Shark in this game. The fact that I compared him to Drax now is hilarious because Drax, of course, in the MCU is played by Dave Bautista, noted, noted wrestler. And King Shark in this game is played by my boy Samoa Joe, who is currently on the WWE roster. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, yeah, I I, I didn't know that. I was doing a, a, a little bit of research off screen here and I saw that. So greatly enjoy that. Interesting. Yeah, no, WWE always has good characters especially to fill that like bigger burlier cast yeah the the brute role yeah and then one other thing uh emily came on uh emily is a huge fan of the arkham series so she came over and informed me to uh to tell everybody this uh the suicide squad game is actually being uh the the entire game is held in metropolis as opposed to arkham that we've seen in the past yeah as opposed to gotham which is probably also why we're seeing this game come out in 2022 they have to create an entire new map make sure that the world in their in their exact words the world is its own individual unique character so being able to see metropolis and its bright colors in contrast to uh superman laying race to all of everything going on and batman and the flash i think was specifically named we had flash specifically named by captain boomerang and then harley quinn specifically named batman yeah it's nice to play in a world that's like not dark yeah 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 for sure w- which is funny because you're playing as a supervillain. so the juxtaposition of the actual uh the brightness of the light in the dark campaign as opposed to the other way around in the Arkham games is really interesting. So overall, what do you think of this showing? Oh man. Oh man. I thought it was good. Let's see. Gotham Knights has my interest. I'm very interested in playing it next year. I'm very interested to see more information about Suicide Squad next year as well. And then playing that at some point in 2022. It's hard to say. I I think that the cast of characters, the four uh, villains that they chose fill this like, fill a nice little circle. You'll everybody will have their own way to play as they like but until i actually see what the gameplay looks like it's hard for me to say oh i'm gonna play that versus oh like that game i guess looks okay yeah no for sure it it, so obviously gotham knights looks great but with that being said i think rocksteady is in an interesting position because rocksteady is one of the few game companies few devs that i could see zero gameplay from them and be like this gameplay is going to be great like let let's not forget that 
when Arkham Asylum came out, which was in like 2008, and they completely redefined gameplay in superhero games. Because superhero games were not known for being good. Superhero games were known for being very, very bad. Yeah, with the exception of like Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2 for the PS2 pizza time. Yeah, and you know, there were a couple other ones along the way, like a couple Batman games or whatever, they were like, okay, but they weren't great. And everybody played this, and even people who didn't like Batman were like, <laughs> you know. So when I see Rocksteady, the one thing that I trust more than anything with Rocksteady is their ability to produce good, compelling gameplay. So I'm good. I, I haven't, like I said, I've always heard great things about the Arkham series, but I never got a chance to play them myself. So... Who knows? Maybe that'll be my homework between now and 2022 is to find time to play three and a half <laughs> games. Oh, beautiful. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Making Fun. Thank you guys so much for listening and thank you guys so much for your support. My name is Casey Johnson and for Raven Stadmiller, go brighten someone's day. <laughs>